Welcome to this episode of Care You, where we challenge and encourage listeners to be intentional and embed a practice of reflection into your caregiving. It is our intention that the contents of this podcast are accessible and meet you where you are on your caregiving journey in a non-blaming and non-shaming way. Enjoy Enjoy the the show. show. Hey, Stephanie. Hi, Don. I love that intro. Me too. Ah, so excited. We actually have somebody in the studio, and I like saying that because it's really just my office, but we have somebody in the studio, uh, Dina Imser, our episode today is about responsibility and teaching responsibility. So let's uh, tell you a little bit about Dina. Uh, Dina Imser is an author, keynote speaker, leadership trainer, and coach. A former principal of an elementary middle school, Dina was certified as a lead trainer with the Positive Discipline Program in 1999 and as a professional certified coach in 2000. She's worked on four continents with organizations to support people with effective leadership tools to build respectful relationships. Her latest creation is a training program for workplace teams called Empowering People in the Workplace, the Positive Discipline Way with Positive Discipline founder Jane Nelson in 2017. Currently, over 2,000 people have been trained in this program worldwide. It's translated into four languages. Dina is a co-author of Roadmap to Success with Stephen Covey and Ken Blanchard and a solo book, Trusting the Fortune Within. It's always nice when you have somebody on there that makes you feel like, oh, I could be doing more. (laughs) <laughs> I could be doing more with my life. So I, the, Stephen Covey, wow, that's... It's awesome. It's a true honor to be here with you today, Dina. So welcome. Thank you very much, you both. Yeah, we're really excited to have you in the studio. Um, <laughs> so we had feedback from our parents and caregivers in 709 that they were interested in the big topic of responsibility. So we're excited to have an expert here with us to talk about all things responsibility. I'm sure we can talk for hours, we've already decided, since you have a slew of experience with um, kids of all ages and really humans of all ages, I should say. So we cannot wait to learn from you. And um, when we asked you to come in and talk about responsibility, what does that mean to you? Probably something a little different than it might mean to you. So I think about responsibility as your ability to respond. And when you think about our young people, what we really want for them growing up is we want them to know that they have the ability to respond to the challenges of life with tools, with characteristics, with skills and strengths. Yeah, and that is different than I would have thought. Um, Is that something that... Like, what got you to that point of that being what responsibility means to you? I think um, several books that I've read, rather, and training that I've taken has kind of expanded my, maybe my idea of what it means to be a responsible human. And I love things that stretch my current understanding, so I've been playing with that idea for a long time. Yeah, Stephanie and I are both, it's funny, I looked at Stephanie, we've talked about this often, We, we like ideas and learning new things. And so I'm like right now going through my head is that I I would have never guessed that that's how you would have defined responsibility, but I like it. Yeah. I think that's, it goes right with the intention of this podcast. Let's reflect, let's push our thinking. Um, You have so much expertise that I think it would be awesome for our listeners to understand that. And, and maybe this is a question mark is responsibility mean something different depending on the age of the child, or would you say it's as a caregiver, your definition is the same. Hmm. I don't know. 
honestly. I don't know that I'd change up the definition. Um, when I was thinking about it on my way over here, I was thinking about kids, young kids, when they're learning to walk. That's really their responsibility. And yet, there are things adults do that support that skill, and they do it through encouragement, they do it through um, providing a safe place for kids to toddle along and pull themselves up, they do it, obviously, with encouraging words. Some people may try to push that process a little bit, but from my experience, most parents just assume that their kids are going to learn how to walk in their own time, and I like thinking about that first thing that kids do. Um, it's just kind of a, a way to think about other things that we wish kids would do and how sometimes we support them, but sometimes we don't. We push them, or we don't encourage them, or we criticize them. You're not doing that fast enough. You're not doing that well enough. I can't trust you. You know, when it's all, it's just all part of the process of growing up. Your ability to respond is a lot based on where you are in life, what practice you've had in that certain thing that, you know, caregivers are asking you to do. And there's a lot of assuming going on, I think, by adults that kids aren't responsible when basically they just, they're just not quite there yet. So how do you, like, I'm going to speak for the parents listening to this who are probably going, okay, but how do I, like, how do I get them to be, how do I get them there? Like, I guess that's where, and we talked before we started recording this idea of we're really big on intentionality. Uh, that's a, yeah, that's a word that sounded odd coming out, but that idea of being intentional, so many times as parents, we're not, we're reactive. So how do you, how do they get there? Well, I think one way is to really highlight that that's a particular skill you'd like your child to have. So when I'm working with caregivers, a lot of times I ask, if you could look maybe 18 years into the future, your child is grown, they have graduated from high school, they're heading off to college, what are the skills and characteristics you wish they would have? And I have them write a list. Responsibility is almost always on it. So then, okay, so if that's my goal, that's my intention for my child to have, what am I going to do as a parent to make sure my children have the opportunity to develop and grow those skills which are valuable to me? So it's got to start somewhere. And I think often parents just don't have a vision for what they really want for their kids. And it may be more like, oh, I want them to be, you know, straight A's or a good athlete. Or, and I think sometimes we really need to look underneath what's you know, what might be superficial to say, well, what are the skills and qualities I really value? And how can I help my child build those? So if it's almost always on the list, it's, it was on our list too. Um, and so we know it's important. What would be some advice that you would give to scaffold that goal that we all want for our kids? So Steph, I'm going to go a different way again. I think there are three things with responsibility that we need to look at that are separate but combined promote responsibility. So I think of it as a building process. So the first one is ownership. And I think often we don't even think about that. We don't think about, does my child own any part of this thing that I want him to be responsible for? So if we use an example, like break it down for people, if we use an example for it, we want them to be able to do their own laundry. Yeah. 
So what's the benefit to the child for learning that skill? So somehow we have to build that ownership piece in. And ownership to me means it's a state of mind where I know that job is mine. And I don't get to make excuses. I don't get to lay blame on someone else. I own that. So maybe an easier place to go with kids might mean a pet. It's like, oh, I really want to convince my mom and dad to have a pet. All right, so let's talk about what does pet ownership mean? And how would a pet owner act? And how would a pet owner do certain things every day? What would those things look like? And then the second piece is actually responsibility. So it's ownership first, then responsibility. And responsibility is that internal drive you have to do the thing you say you're going to do. But the third piece is accountability, and that's an external force. So as a parent, what we need to do then is to support our kids by being the one who's saying, okay, so how's that pet ownership idea going? How are you doing with the commitments that you made to your pet? And what kind of, um, what could I do to help if you want to help? And if you don't want to help, you don't offer. So see those three pieces and think about the one that we usually skip over, ownership. So seeing a pet as an ownership issue is really easy. Some of those other routine tasks that go on in the family, those might be a little harder to sell, except that if you're part of a family, you're part of a team. Teams support one another and they do the work of the family, to my mind, without allowances. So it's like mom and dad don't get paid to do the work of the family. Kids don't get paid to do the work of the family. We sit down every week and we decide, how are we going to divide up the work of the family? And then we do it together. So you see how that builds? Yeah. It's funny. I'm like literally just, if you could see me, I'm just like staring, taking this all in. And, And Stephanie brought up the laundry thing. So tell me if my wife and I did the right thing here. So it's it's a judgment zone. Uh, at 10, the Sturm household learns how to do their own laundry. I don't think we talked about, own, well, maybe we did talk about ownership, but they learned how to figure, if they can turn on a video game and hook up HDMI cables and all of that, they can figure out how to do their laundry. But we would have people, neighbors, who would say, well, what happens if they don't, have any clothes that are clean for that day and I mean we were like well then they're gonna wear dirty clothes well what if people like what if people like make fun of them at school and it's like isn't that the best lesson so I guess I'm wanting reassurance did we do the right thing I am so behind you Don oh I'm so behind you and so (laughs) in positive discipline language what you just talked about is a natural consequence so what's the natural consequence for not doing your laundry You don't have clean clothes to wear. What's the natural consequence for wearing dirty clothes to school? Your friends are going to let you know that they're not very happy about sitting next to you at the lunch table. What better lesson can you learn through your own experience and your own responsibility or lack thereof, the choices you made? It's like that speaks volumes compared to parental lectures. Okay. Well, Well, this podcast is done. I feel... Don's good. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Okay, my turn. Yeah. When you you said something earlier that really made me want to ask this follow-up question, and that is the that you're not on board for allowance. So talk to us about financial literacy or financial responsibility then, because I think we would have some listeners say, 
I'm teaching responsibility by giving, and I, I mean, a dollar a week or whatever, because I've seen all sorts of things, a, okay. a dollar for yep. every age or, or whatever. And I'm not saying I'm opposed to yours. I'm just trying to reflect. So what does that look like? So what you may notice is I didn't say no allowance. I said no allowance is tied to doing chores. Oh, yeah. I think that sets up an immediate power struggle for parents. And I also think that it doesn't send the message that we're a team, we're a family, and we do the work of the family together. So about financial literacy, kids are too young to make their own money. It makes sense that they would be given money by their parents so that they can grow their skills in terms of saving, in terms of how badly do I want that, how long will it take me to get it. And then the way we did it in our family is if there were extra chores, like I really need someone to wash my car, I put it on the refrigerator and say, it's up for bid, who wants to do it? (laughs) And then they got extra money because it was an extra chore. Hmm. I love so. that. I'm glad that you said, I'm glad that I asked because I didn't notice that you said that. And so that was a really good reframe for me. Not that I was opposed to it, but I was just curious because we don't pay our kids right now, but it has been something that we've talked about for chores. Um, and I kind of took your stance. I was like, we're all a team. I don't get paid to do the dishes. So it's interesting because I never even asked you that before, so. Did you pay your children to do chores? Well, you know, that's why I was just sitting here. Th- no, um, no, not for chores. But again, it's one of those things where in our mind, we were not paying them for chores. I don't know if we ever expressly said, this is so you can learn financial responsibility, financial literacy. I have, I don't know. Um, I was given an allowance growing up, but again, I don't. I don't know why. Like, I don't know that my parents sat me down and said, hey, we're doing this because you can't make money at 10, but we want you to understand the value of money. But I don't know whether I ever... I mean, I was just a perfect child. I didn't argue with my parents. Mm. I didn't, you know... Mm. Yeah. Well, I didn't get an allowance, and maybe that speaks to the fact that... And I didn't know why either. When, When I heard other people got an allowance, I'd be like, oh... But I was still expected to do the chores. Do you think that that ha- all these things and the way we grew up and our how we were taught responsibility for whatever avenue you want to look at, do you think that impacts us as a caregiver? Oh, yeah. yeah, It's in there. <laughs> and even if you're not aware, I think those kinds of memories you have, it's like it's in the fabric of who you are. Well, and I think now with my kids being older, the number of times that I reflect now. I, I mean, I didn't have time to reflect when my kids were three and four and 10 and 12. I mean, I, it was just, you were just trying to make the right decision for that one point in time. And now I think back and it's like, oh, I wish we would have done this. Or I wonder the whole wondering, I wonder how things would be different if, and it's too bad that I'm doing that now and not when they were 10 years old or 11 years old or whatever. How do you feel about the way they turned out, Don? I like the way they turned out. I mean, we, you know, it's, there have been some rough moments and there have been moments where as adults, certain decisions were made that were, you know, that we struggle with as parents. But I, I've also come to the conclusion that there's, I, we did the best we could at that point in time. And if they decide to have kids, they're going to hopefully pull in some tools 
that they learn from us and others that they're like, oh, yeah, I wish mom and dad wouldn't have done that. And they won't do that with their kids. But now I have a question. Like, it's easy to talk about things like laundry and cooking and pets. Now, the pets, the one thing that went through my head is, oh, boy, there is accountability for the pet because that is a living being. And so as a parent, I would think you have to, there has to be that line where, okay, we're not going to let the pet pass away because the kid is not taking care of it. But, you know, cooking, we, our kids, can can you teach a skill just by watching someone do it? Like cooking, for instance. I think it's the first step. Yeah. So a lot of this we're talking about is really training training kids for the skills and qualities we want, and that takes time. So the first step is watching somebody else do it, right? And the second step is you do a little bit of it on your own with adult supervision and a lot of encouragement probably. And then it just goes on from there. So it's like step by step by step. Yeah, because I do think, like just popped in my head that my, of my mom and dad, I saw my dad doing the dishes way more than my mom, way more than my mom. And my wife and I have this, like, I cook, she does the dishes, we, you know, like we've divided things up and I see some families that aren't like that. And I do start to think, was that me seeing my father do that and seeing my father take on those roles? He never said to me, you need to make sure that you wash the dishes. But I just, like, I can't imagine being in a household where I didn't do those kinds of things. But where I was going with my question is it's easy to talk about cooking and laundry and pets, but what about like when a kid gets 16 years old, 17 years old, and now we're starting to talk about life-altering kinds of things. Like let's take driving. Like how do you teach how do you teach responsibility for something like driving when they're no longer in your sight? So it's interesting that you bring that up because I have had this conversation going on in my head from a coaching client about this teenager wanted to go to a party, wanted to borrow mom's car. So I led her through those three stages again. So ownership, thinking, okay, so I get it that you really want to go to this party. And I also get it that you want to become a partner with me in ownership of this car. So I want you to think about yourself as a car owner now and tell me a little bit about what kinds of behaviors do you do when you own your own car? So again, a lot of preparation, a lot of pre-planning and conversation around it. Okay, next. Um, It's your responsibility if you're going to drive my car. I've got gas in it. You're going to get there and back safely. So what are some things that you could do to protect yourself and my car as part owner? Again, Hmm. another piece of conversation. Third piece, accountability. I'm probably going to be asleep at midnight when you have your curfew, but how am I going to know that you're on your way home? Like, how could you let me know? Well, Mom, I could text you and let you know when I leave the party. That would be great. Then if I do wake up, I'll see your text, and I'll know that you are on your way home. So again, I would just take those three steps, and I would take them, like, super seriously. Okay. It sounds, you make it sound simple. It is simple stuff. <laughs> really, really you did. Like, it's like, okay, it's just having an intentional intentional conversation around whatever the end goal is, like driving or cooking or you could, the pet owner. I mean, you're using the same three. Yep. The other thing I'm thinking about is remembering what it was like to be 16. 
as a new driver and trying to get into that mindset again so that you kind of understand where your teen is coming from. Like empathy? Empathy, yep. Instead of like being, oh, I'm going to stay awake until this kid comes home. I'm just pretty sure his midnight's going to come and go and he's not going to be here. Then he shows up at 11.59 and you're almost kind of (laughs) mad, right? It's like because your expectation was he was going to blow it and he didn't. So we really, really need to get in our own minds about what we want and focused on that in a really intentional way versus what we don't want, which is caregivers we often do. Hmm. So interesting. Yeah, there's so many things going through my head right now. Um, one being, and I, I don't know if I want to touch on this, but does an app teach, does a, a location GPS finder teach responsibility? In other words, now parents can find, they know exactly where their kids are every single moment when they use an app. I would guess you would say that's not enough. But I would say I would have to have a conversation with my teenager about that and make sure that we both were on board with me using it and having it and talk about the reasons why I might, because I think then it would be legitimate. So if you're not where you say you're going to be, when you say you're going to be there, that would give me pause and give me reason to check and make sure that you're okay. Whereas if you don't want me to use that and we agree not to, then what else could we do that would reassure me as your parent that you're being the responsible person that you say you are? Well, and I think about when Dr. Smock was on and that idea of, you know, letting your kids walk to school and letting them play on the playground. And he was like, you know, could you just let them play on the playground by themselves, but you you drive by and just check on them. So it's that same kind of thing. And I, and I think it, what I, what I like about this is it's that intentionality. It is being intentional, being intentional with your kids and why we're doing what we're doing and not just, not just demanding, not just saying what was the parent type. Authoritative. The authoritative um, that you're giving them a voice. Or authoritarian. Authoritative. We, we prefer, yeah, we, we did a whole podcast episode on that and it was pretty eye-opening just to think about. And we said in our research that there's times when you can put on a different, a different style hat, right? Oh, yeah. But what I love, you said what you, that you're enjoying the conversation and I said it was easy. I also love that it's collaborative. And I think that's where that ownership piece comes because what I heard you say right when he asked you about the app was, well, I'd have to talk to my child about that. Um, and I think that's really interesting and maybe that, enhances ownership Mm -hmm. absolutely it's the difference between doing with and doing to and think how often we do to our kids rather than doing with and when we do with we have a real opportunity for training we have an opportunity to show from our actions don which you said for you as a kid growing up your dad doing dishes that action spoke volumes it's like he didn't even need to say oh look at me i'm doing dishes actions are where it's at yeah that doing with for i mean because i think about us as adults it it doesn't it feels kind of cruddy when something is being done to To you you. even when it's i I mean with best intentions 
it, it just feel, I guess cruddy is the best word. And so it probably feels worse to a child because they don't have the experience. They don't have the wisdom, the age, whatever it is that you want to, you know, however you want to describe that. So, so you just said with best intentions and you said you're doing the best you had with the inform or the best you could with the information you had. I fully believe that caregivers are doing all the things with best intentions. I think this was just a great opportunity to think about how we can be more intentional and reflective on how we're teaching responsibility with those three action steps. Can you remind us of them? So the three action steps again were look at ownership first. And that's a state of mind, right? Where I don't make excuses. I don't lay blame. I take this on. This is mine. The second is responsibility. It's similar. It's like that internal drive to follow through and do what you said you would do. And then the third piece is the supervision piece or accountability that parents need to keep their eye on, decreasing as kids get older, but never stopping. Always kind of in the background, supporting, noticing, encouraging, questioning, calling kids back to the agreement that they made. I love that. Yeah. And I think it's a it's a great place to stop um, at this point. But I, we want to give you the opportunity. Is there anything else that you want to share? There's one more thing, Don. Oh. Yeah. So one year when I was a teacher, I started a new job in kindergarten. And I started in January. So the kids had been together since September. And I walked in the first day after Christmas break. This particular school did class meetings. So every week the kids got together in a circle, they gave compliments, and then they um, looked at the things that were on the agenda that they had put on to problem solve. So when I saw the teacher's previous agenda, it's like 10 o'clock on Tuesday, class meeting, I said to kids on Monday, guys, I'm really sorry, but we're not going to be able to do that this week because I don't know how. And they're like, Mrs. Simpson, don't worry, we'll teach you. So I sat in a circle with five and six-year-olds that first week. I sat there on a kindergarten chair and did nothing. The kids read the agenda. They started the compliments. I even got a couple. They've known me for a whole two days. <laughs> and they proceeded to go through the entire agenda. And that was a game changer for me. So as caregivers, I think what we need to be aware of is that your idea of where a child's capacity may stop may actually sell your child short. So in other words, I thought I was a teacher. I had to be in charge. And these kids showed me they were the best teachers on the planet. So don't sell your children and their abilities short. Supervise, supervise, supervise. And just like they're learning to walk, encourage them every step of the way. I love it. Thank you so much, Dina, for all of that Yes. All of that. I loved it. Thank you. And in Thanks, fact, I don't guys. even know that we can say anything else to end this. Thank you. It was you. wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Care You and for showing up for the children in your care. Until next time.